big announcement. I am so excited to announce this because this is something that I have been working on and putting my love into for quite some time now. It is the Together in Love, the four-month relationship mentorship that I am putting on for you guys. This is really a mentorship that's focused on learning how to love yourself more authentically, how to open your heart to real love, how to create relationships that ultimately leave you and your current or future partners fulfilled on a soul level. So this is for singles. This is for couples. This is for triads. It's really for everybody out there who's wanting to deepen their relationship with themselves and create the optimal love life for them. So you'll join me. You'll have a community of like-minded people, and we're all going to traverse this tricky waters of self-discovery, emotional intimacy, sexual exploration. You know, we go through the entire thing. And I'm bringing on some of my favorite guest expert coaches who are also putting on workshops. So you'll have coaching with me. We'll have group calls. We'll have workshops. We have all kinds of things. And I absolutely guarantee by the end of this, you're going to feel a a shift and a transformation within yourself and feel more comfortable expressing your desires, how to get those. What what happens with conflict resolution? Um, How do we use that to strengthen our relationship as opposed to instead of how to be a detriment to it. So if you guys are interested, I am going to announce it and release it fully within the uh, next couple of weeks. But if you are interested, let me know on my social media at Wit and Love, or you can email me to save your spot for sure. And I can make sure that you're on the list to receive the email as soon as I launch. Much love, guys. Hope to see you soon. Hey, True Sex and Wild Love listeners. I don't know about you, But I'm very, very fussy about what I put on my face, what I put on my vulva, and what I put in my vagina. And that is why I was so excited when I learned about a company called Living Libations. What is it? It's a luxurious Canadian line of pure source, raw, organic, and botanical beauty care, intimacy lubricants, raw chocolate, oh my God, so delicious, and holistic oral care products that you can use after you eat the chocolate. Oh my gosh, I love this stuff. First of all, it was created by Nadine Artemis, who calls herself a beauty philosopher, which I love. She's the author of Renegade Beauty and Holistic Dental Care. And she has an incredible philosophy. They use essential oils and their products are highly concentrated. They preserve purity, space, and resources by offering full potency products without any fillers, no diluters, no artificial colors, and no petrochemicals because ick. I don't want that stuff on my face or on my vajay for sure. I love so many of the products uh, that I'm using of theirs. My favorite might be this rose cream, which you can put on your lips. You can put on your cheeks. I kind of spread some on my arms sometimes if I want a little rosy glow. It smells delicious and it feels delicious on your skin, but I am obsessed, completely obsessed with their product called Languid Love Butter. Only living libations could make this. This is a lube that smells and tastes so good and is made with ingredients, wait for it, that you can eat, okay? Because I'm not putting anything on my vulva or on my vagina that I wouldn't put in my mouth, okay? 
just trust me, you're going to just love these products. Look, synthetic lubes are often just kind of momentary moisturizers or like pedal plumpers. You know, they're only offering you a very temporary lubrication. And often uh, those ingredients of kind of drugstore lubes actually uh, dehydrate your vulva and your vagina. And we don't want that. On the other hand, Living Libations has this organic petal passion serum, they call it. And that sort of lubricates your spaces and soothes you using ingredients that you wouldn't be scared to put in your mouth. And they're ingredients that you can pronounce. There's something really great about that. I'm obsessed and I think you will be too. And here's some really great news about Living Libations and their incredible product line. Just go to livinglibations.com forward slash TSWL and use the code TSWL and you can get 20% off. Hey, that means that you can buy an extra pot of Languid Love Butter and you can send it to me. Okay, guys, Lindsay and I have been talking a little bit more about some of our favorite things because we want to share our brands and the companies that we truly love. And I found a new one. I really did. I found one that I cannot live without. They sent me a box and I basically hounded them to send me another one. And I feel like my life will never be the same if I, if I don't keep drinking this. It is the Element, L-M-N-T, Element Electrolytes. I use this as soon as I wake up in the morning or anytime I go sweat. You've probably seen me playing pickleball a lot lately or wake surfing. I just put these electrolytes straight into my water and it kicks, it kickstarts the day. It helps me stay hydrated. It just makes me feel better. What we hear is we need to be drinking more water. Yes, most of us all need to drink more water, but for proper hydration, we need to drink water and electrolytes. And a lot of the times the electrolytes are just forgotten because we're so focused on drinking the water. Let me tell you why we need electrolytes. It helps nerve impulses fire, regulate fluid balance, help you produce energy. It strengthens bone. And you know what, you guys? Increase endurance, performance, and recovery. We can all use that right now. Plus, if you're like me and you kind of um, uh, try different diets, uh, whether you're fasting or low-carb or keto, these electrolytes specifically are key for relieving hunger, cramps, headaches, tiredness, and dizziness. Thank God. Guess what? No sugar, no artificial ingredients, no fake coloring, all that yucky stuff. You don't need that. This is why one of the reasons I'm obsessed with this brand. Rob Wolf was the co-founder of it. He was a former research biochemist, two times New York Times bestselling author and a Navy SEAL. Talk about a resume. Talk about a resume. So NBA players, tech leaders, um, we have NFL players, Olympians, all everyone is using Element Electrolytes and it just kind of helps you out. If you're in a hot environment, you're getting a good workout in, you just want to feel better. Or you know what? If you went out and you drank too much the night before, I'm telling you, this will be your lifesaver. Single serve packets, grab and go. You get 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium and 60 milligrams of magnesium. Why is this important? Because most of us are deficient in sodium, potassium, and magnesium. And it's really hard to get the latter two, the um, potassium and the magnesium through your diet. So this, this makes it super easy. You don't even have to think about it. Throw it in your purse, your gym bag, boom, like that. And try it totally risk-free. If you don't like it, share it with a salty friend of yours. You'll get your money back, no questions asked. Free shipping on all 
orders. You guys, I cannot stress enough how amazing this is. All of my friends are now drinking it along with me. And it's it's something that I have to keep hidden from them because they're so obsessed with it. And I know Wednesday does the same. Her son went through the entire box immediately before we could even do any, any post or anything for them. So you know it's good. I promise, promise, promise you. So check them out, L-M-N-T, that's Element, drinklmnt.com slash T-S-W-L. That's drinklmnt.com slash T-S-W-L. You guys, I'm really excited to tell you about a new online course that I'm offering. It's called Pleasure, Peace, and Power. And it's for anybody who identifies as a woman or anyone who cares about a partner who identifies as a woman. It's a four-week course where I give you data and evidence-informed tips and insights and strategies to find the sexual satisfaction and serenity and self-confidence that's your right. So if you're struggling to find excitement in a long-term relationship, if you're feeling anxious about sex and commitment, if you're wondering how to tap into your sensual superpowers, or you just want to feel better about yourself, I really do think that my online course, Pleasure, Peace, and Power, can help you find all three. So if you're interested, DM me on Instagram at Wednesday Martin PhD to receive information about how to sign up. And I'll see you there. So what the hell are we talking about? <laughs> hey, Whitney. Well, <laughs> It's all about the election right now. And I wanted to talk about something very distressing, which is that it appears that while 52 or 53% of women, depending on which poll you look at, uh, voted for Trump in 2016, 55% of white women voted for Trump in 2020. I'm just going to say white women we have a fucking problem and it is white women's racism. No kidding. It's really surprising to me that that many white women voted for Trump. But at the same time, kind of what we were talking about is it's surprising, but I'm born and raised in Texas. So it's it's not that surprising to me. I was out on the trail yesterday and a white woman was walking by with a Make, a Hair, uh, Make America Great Again hat, proudly. Proudly wearing her MAGA hat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm from Michigan. So Michigan seems at this point to have flipped blue. And I'm proud of that. But I grew up in a state and in a town where racism was everybody's bread and butter. Anti-Semitism. You know, I'm from Grand Rapids, Whitney. Um, well, that's mostly where I grew up in Michigan. And just a couple days ago, um, there is a Jewish temple there called Ahavis Israel, and all the gravestones were defaced. And do you know what the vandals wrote on the gravestones? Oh, man, I can imagine, but what? They wrote Trump. Oh, my God. Now, the only thing that is less surprising than that right? People using the word Trump as if it's a swastika. The only thing less surprising than that was the response of Trump supporters in Michigan and nationwide who fucking denied it. They did all these like contortions and gymnastics to try to somehow 
put out the argument that it wasn't Trump supporters who did it. And, you know, this is really, in a nutshell, to me, uh, a great description, if you will, a great thumbnail of the Trump presidency, which is something happens and you simply say that it didn't happen. And then that gets to that that gets to be the the takeaway. So wow, we're living in a moment where it is hard for people to see and accept the truth because we're four years into a presidency of undermining right. fact, fact, factuality, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he says everything is fake news. And he says that up is down and left is right and hot is cold. And then yeah. he and then the press reports it as the president says that hot is cold instead of the instead of uh, the media reporting the fucking facts. Like somebody had a great tweet um, a while ago, which was, you know, if it's if you don't if you're a journalist, you don't just say, you know, the president says it's not raining, but other people say it is raining. You open up the window and see if it's fucking raining or not. And then you report that. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out, yes, it's raining. (laughs) So we've had this corrosion over the years of factuality and it's, it's distressing, right? Yeah, absolutely. But you know, here's the thing. I think that goes for both parties and I think it goes for every news, almost every news outlet. I have a hard time trusting anything that I hear anymore. Well, I think that Trump and his enablers then have done their job, right? For example, Trump felt very strongly that he would lose this election. So what did he start to do? He started undermining the election process and telling Mm -hmm. people you can't trust the election process because he knew that he would lose it. So once he saw that he might lose the election, his game became not trying to undermine Biden and Biden supporters, but to undermine democratic process itself. Oh, if I, if I lost, it can't have been a legitimate process, right? It's fraud. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that the idea that people can't feel that so many people feel that they can't trust the news is four years of Trump and his enablers working very hard to undermine the idea that there are facts. Mm -hmm. Once you undermine the idea that there are any facts, you can tell people anything that you want and they just might believe you. Hey, I saw a great Instagram post by, (laughs) by our friend, Michelle Hope. I love her. You I thought she was recently on the Red Table Talk, which I'm obsessed with. Yeah, That's so oh, cool. We have to talk about that. That Michelle, Michelle Hope, MH Sex right on Instagram, and she's been uh, on her show. She's been on our show. Uh, we should have her on again. She's been on Wineless Wednesdays with me a few times, and she's great. And she really brings such an intersectional lens uh, to all her activism. Okay, she has this great. Instagram post Whitney. It is a white woman and a black woman sitting together. Mm-hmm. And the white woman is saying, we can disagree and still be friends. And they're at a restaurant and the black woman is saying, yes, bitch, about pizza toppings, not racism. Uh, <laughs> I did. I did see something similar going around. and I liked that. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, yep, you're right. Yeah. I mean, because especially there's this messaging now that like, if Trump does win, let's be nice and hold hands and be friends. 
Well, that's kind of wishful thinking. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I mean, I do hope that regard, like, regardless of who wins, I, like, I, I don't want Trump to win. I'll just say that. Um, but I just, I just want us to be friendly with each other in the best way we can. But that, I mean, that goes deep. That's not just with the presidential election. You know, we have so much shit underneath that, unfortunately. And I love that it. And also, like, I love that it's coming to the forefront. I love that we're talking about this more and that it's in our face more. So we have to face it. It's in our face more. And, you know, this idea that we're supposed to be polite in the face of great evil. Mm -hmm. I object to so much people saying, oh, be civil. You know, there was a funny um, series of tweets responding to... Did you, did you see the tweets, Whitney, about like stick figures holding hands? And I think one was named Bob and one was named Sally and Sally's blue and Bob is red. And the first tweet was, um, you know, Sally's a Democrat and Bob's a Republican, um, but they get along anyway, even though they disagree because they're grownups, right? And then there was a series of hilarious tweets, like quote tweets, like Evan Shapiro, <laughs> tweeted, tweeted, um, Bob tried to run Sally's car off the road this weekend, right? <laughs> A- after the Trump supporters tried to run a uh, Biden bus with Wendy Davis, uh, the great pro-choice activist and legislator off the road in Texas. And there were other really funny quote tweets like, um, uh, Bob wants to so. Sally's vagina up, but she's friends with him anyway. (laughs) Or, you know, Bob and Sally are friends because neither of them really gives a shit about systemic racism because they're white. So it was a whole series of tweets criticizing this idea that the most important thing is to get along. And I thought it was really powerful to see, (laughs) you know, to see the power of uh, social media. I mean, it, it has done us so many great services, including during elections, right? When there's so much misinformation. And at at the same time, it was interesting to see people giving voice on Twitter and on Instagram with this one uh, message they were getting that, you know, people who are Democrats and people who are Republicans should be able to hold hands and get along. Um, You know, there's a lot to criticize there when, when one of the things you're asking is for people to look the other way about evil. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Thought I thought it was really interesting. And I loved how Michelle Hope's Instagram post kind of got to the heart of that, right? These two women sitting together and the white woman is basically saying, oh, you know, just get along with me anyway. And the black woman is saying, like, maybe I look the other way that we disagree about pizza toppings, but I'm not looking the other way about racism. <laughs> yeah, that's something I can't turn my um, a blind eye to. Can't turn a blind eye to that. And, you know, yeah. right, you and, and we are- have, though, for so long. That's what we've been doing. Amen to that. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. So... Here we are, like we're talking right now in a moment when things are unclear. And yet Biden got more of the popular vote so far when you and I are talking than any other political candidate in U.S. history. Wow. 
It's, so, it's, it's wild to think about when you put it in those terms. So tell me what the feeling is like in Austin right now, which is a progressive city in a pretty reliably red state. I would say very reliably red state. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a, a liberal city. So it's, the energy feels pretty quiet today. I don't know about for, you know, up on the north, uh, Northeast, but it's, it's quiet. There's not a lot of people out and about. It seems like even the trail, I go on the trail every day and usually it's packed and it's just, there's just some, so it's just weird. It's a little bit weird. Mm, things, um, yeah. So but much hangs in the balance. Go so ahead. Much in the balance. You have to sit at, you're at, you're, you have no idea what's happening. Like we don't know what's going to happen. And I don't know for how long seems like this is going to, you know, I, I keep hearing different things of, oh, it's going to be, what would I listen to? Oh God, you would literally die Wednesday. I listened <laughs> to the Joe Rogan, um, Alex Jones podcast. Wow. There's some disinformation. Whoa. It stressed me out. <laughs> I have to tell you, it stressed me out so much, but he's saying there's basically like a 79 days of hell that we're approaching because well, I guess 79 yeah. days until the inauguration. Right. 79 days for Trump to deny reality, right? Mm. Seven, to try, to try. But, you know, we have to hope that there is enough of a mandate uh, with this election. Here's what I have to say about Alex Jones and Joe Rogan. Anybody who would have on a guy who denied that little kids were murdered at Sandy Hook um, is not a guy I get my news from or even. <laughs> you don't? You don't? <laughs> no, nope. Nope. I don't. And um, I think it's disgusting and awful to have um, somebody who denies reality like that spouting off and to give him a platform. Um, but Wow. Yeah, I can see uh, a lot of people listen to Joe Rogan and maybe he will um, stand up and be responsible, but maybe he never will. And yeah, I haven't, I haven't. Oh, you're talking about Joe said this or Alex said this? Alex Jones denied Sandy Hook. And, um, you know, it's of a piece actually uh, with Trump, right? Denying denying that Trump saying during the debate that nobody's done more for black people than Trump since Lincoln, for example. Right. And then when we give these statements a platform, you know, uh, we're colluding. So why Joe Rogan would collude with a reality denier like Alex Jones, um, on a topic as important as gun control and, and six and seven year olds, five-year-olds being murdered. Mm. Um, right. It's, it's, I don't tolerate that. Yeah. I understand that. I don't know what their relationship is. I didn't even listen to the whole podcast because I said, <laughs> stress me right, out. Right. I can't, I can't, Joe did a pretty good job of stopping Alex and being like, okay, we have to look at this. You can't just say things. You can't just spew things out there like that. I could only imagine. I don't know. I haven't talked to Joe. Yeah. I have no idea. But I can imagine Joe was worn the fuck out after that after that podcast because of the way that he had to had to interview Alex. Because if hey, you know Alex, 
spews. It just flies out of his mouth. It's just like vomit of anything and everything and just bouncing everywhere. We're we're responsible for the company we keep. We're responsible for the people we give a platform to. We're mm -hmm. responsible, right? If we're a mouthpiece for evil and and lying. So, wow. And I feel like um, that's a great example, right? Of of how collusion happens. What, you know, I wanted to tell you what it's like here because you told me. No, what's okay? So, you know, I usually live in New York City, uh, but since the pandemic and we went on lockdown in March, my family has been out uh, on Long Island. And uh, in the summer, this is a place where lots of people who live in New York City come for the summer months. And then, of course, there's a year round local population. So, I have never really spent this much time out here year round. Um, And I've always known that there is a lot of, a fair amount of animosity uh, between locals and the people who are out here during the summer, which I can understand. Um, I wouldn't want to be in the service industry out here waiting on entitled people from New York City, right? Who want their bagel five minutes ago and are horribly rude drivers and who are rich and entitled. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be in the service industry uh, dealing with people from my cohort at all. So, but a a really interesting thing has been about the election. Um, In the summer, I would say that out here skews pretty democratic with the big influx of people from New York city. Uh, But in the winter months, um, you know, when it's more of a local population, there is, seems to be a lot of Trump support. Um, but what you can say is that Trump supporters are emboldened by Trump's example of, you know, beyond rudeness, really just, uh, a lack of empathy a lot of times, right. And a very overt, uh, aggression, that the Trump supporters out here have been emboldened by that. And so we had caravans, right? We had people driving down the road on in their trucks, waving Trump flags and intimidating people. Um, oh we, had, we had them stopping outside houses with Biden signs and leaning on their horns, right? And screaming Trump, Trump, Trump. And that's not, that's not, political expression. That's harassment, right? At a certain point. And, um, just basically a lot, I think that Biden supporters have felt very intimidated by Trump supporters because that's what Trump has wanted to message. Right. And there was a Congressman who was just elected, uh, for his first term ever in office. And my friend, Amy Cuddy, the social psychologist at Harvard tweeted about this, or rather she put it on her Instagram and on her Twitter. Um, but this guy's first, his first post, uh, as, as a Republican congressman, the very first thing he posted, uh, this is Madison Cawthorn. His first tweet as a congressman was cry more lib. And Amy Cuddy responded, just a reminder, you represent everyone in your district. What the hell is wrong with you? Wow. <laughs> like, so there's this like ma- white masculinist posturing 
that everybody else is a crybaby and a weakling, right? Cry more, Lib. It's like, you're a congressman. Aren't you supposed to at least, you know, give give lip service <laughs> to the idea that you serve your entire district? <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. But no, it's come to that. It's come to that. And, and it's come to a lot of white women joining in with that and, and, and egging those white men on and standing shoulder to shoulder with them when they write things like cry more lib. I can't remember what her name is. She's like a, she's basically like a white power, um, uh, extremely reactionary influencer. Her name is Tori something. Um, Mm, and do you remember who you're talking about? Yeah. I don't remember her name though, but yeah, go ahead. Um, well, she uh, tweeted something about, you know, Joe Biden wore a mask and she tweeted or posted on Instagram, why don't you carry a purse? You might as well carry a purse with that mask, Joe. <laughs> and I, I had to think through the many layers of that. Yeah, it's take like, me through that. Well, I think you could help me walk through it too. But to me, I want to hear what you think. To me, it was just like she was saying to Joe Biden, you're taking care of your health and looking out for other people by wearing a mask. And that makes you a woman, right? That's the purse comment. And I myself, she's saying, I am a woman and I'm participating in using the accusation that you're womanly as an insult. So Mm. it's like, right. It's like about this deep form of complicity and standing shoulder to shoulder with white men denigrating, um, not just people of color, uh, but women, white women as well. Right. And feeling it's almost like she feels protected by identifying and being super, aggressive and denigrating and like woman shaming a male president. I I was astonished by, I don't know. What do you think about that? I mean, I definitely see what you're saying. I think I'm, I'm just a moron. It flew over my head and I was like, what? I'm making it more complicated maybe than it needs to be. I mean, on the face of it. Well, oh. it is exactly what you said. It's, you know, she is, she's, shaming women when she's a woman herself. And I do like the point that you made about maybe she feels protected because I don't know, maybe it even goes deeper into like her psyche of, you know, fully needing that protection from men. And she doesn't feel safe with other women. I have no idea. I don't know, but there's, there's definitely something there. Back to the white woman problem, right? Wow, we went up from 52% to 55% of white women standing shoulder to shoulder with Trump, feeling like they're getting something out of the deal. I think that, yeah, I mean, yep. (laughs) It's hard. It's hard to like talk about it a little bit. Like I find myself being a little cognizant of the words that come out of my mouth, (laughs) you know, because I know it's such a polarizing topic. Um, and I feel like when it comes to the 55% of women, I I do think white white women, yeah, white women, I do think there's some, some of those women are with very powerful, rich men. 
Um, mm. And so that could play a role into it. Some of these women, maybe this is what they bo- they were born into, and that's just how they vote. Um, I don't know, but I, they, it. What mm-hmm. is interesting is like the psyche of who people are voting for, and like why, and where that thread comes from. That I find that quite fascinating. Now that we're just pulling on that thread, you know, back to where you and I are from, Whitney. Um, I'm from Michigan. You're from Texas. I'm just shocked by the number of white people saying, um, oh, I feel so upset about this, um, like centering their own experience about it. Um, because to, to me being from Michigan, this is no surprise. Um, I mean, I grew up in a culture, I grew up in gun culture. I grew up in a culture of, uh, reactionary politics, um, men who wanted to pretend they were in a militia. Hey, hey, shut the fuck up. There's one militia in this country. Okay. It's called the National Guard. The rest of you um, white dudes taking up arms are um, domestic terrorists. So but I, I, you know, I grew up in this like hyper-masculine, hyper-reactionary, very misogynist, very racist, very anti-Semitic place. And so when I see Trump doing better than many people thought he would, I don't feel surprised. It doesn't surprise me because of where I'm from. And um, then I wonder, you know, if Biden wins, how do we get ourselves out of this mess, right? Uh. Yeah, I know. And that and and I let I touching on to where I'm from. I I can't remember I talked about this on one of the other podcasts, but I went down to um where I'm from, Corpus Christi, Texas, where I was born and raised, and boat life is really popular there. I guarantee, I I swear, every single boat had a big Trump flag, Trump 2020, and it said fuck your feelings on it. Fuck your feelings, Trump 2020. And I'm telling you, there was not a single, maybe there was a couple Biden-Harris here and there, but it was, it was, it was just truly like mind-blowing to kind of like witness that, that they just throw it out there. And do they even know what they're talking about necessarily? Or it was wild. You know, I love your point here about Trump 2020 going hand in hand with the directive fuck your feelings. Right. It's like the official elevation of the lack of empathy and of saying that altruism, empathy, identifying with other people, which to me is, as an anthropologist, is, you know, sort of baseline how we evolved to be. You know, we didn't evolve any more for conflict than we did for cooperation. Cooperation is like the biggest thing in our evolutionary prehistory. And the reason you cooperate is because you have feelings of empathy, right? So empathy and cooperation go hand in hand. And the Trump mandate is literally fuck empathy, mm-hmm. fuck caring about other people and fuck your feelings. You're a weakling if you have feelings. And now we're back to the, why don't you carry a purse with that mask, Joe, right? that woman saying that about Joe Biden, fuck your feelings. And you're weak if you care about other people enough to wear a mask and cry more lib, right? Mm-hmm. Those, mm-hmm. those 
those nodes are all related. So, so what are like, okay, so we're in this limbo stage. We know that as humans, we hate the unknown and we're living in it right now. Um, what, what do, what do we do? What do we do during this time? Like to take care of your mental state, your emotional state. Like, I know there's a lot of stuff coming up for people. Like, what do you recommend or what are you doing to stay kind of sane through this time? Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm just so mindful of my privilege right now, right? I mean, you and I have friends, people we love, um, our like elective kin, right? Our our chosen families. Right. You You and I have chosen family who have been living for four years with even more of a sense of a target on their backs, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Our friends who are black, um, our friends who are people of color, our friends who are part of the LGBTQ community. And it's, for them, it's been four years of complete exhaustion, right? Right. And, um, and this feeling of being targeted. So I'm so cognizant of my enormous privilege. And I try to make a point during this unknown period and in the time leading up to the election. And for the last four years, I try to make a priority of reaching out to my friends who have been targeted, have felt targeted because they have been by this administration. I try to always make a priority of reaching out and saying, how are you doing? And also when it's appropriate, uh, and I make mistakes sometimes, but I just try to let them know I'm letting, I, what you are going through is informing my actions. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm here for you, but I want you to know that I'm taking action. And one That's of the beautiful. Ways- I think you should just repeat that, that what you're doing. <laughs> that, you know, I think that and I like I said I make mistakes, but to me, being an ally is letting the people that you care about who have been targeted, letting them know that not only do you have them in mind, and not only are you sending love and support, but you are acting on the fact that they are being persecuted, and you are taking steps because you value them so much, and you won't let this happen and you'll use all your privilege to prevent it. So I do, I try to reach out to my friends and I'm sure sometimes I do it in a way that annoys them or I get it, (laughs) get it wrong. And then thankfully I do have friends who will tell me like, you know what, just, but, 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 um, you know, Latham Thomas said to me the biggest, the worst thing you can do, um, Right now, if you want to be an ally, the worst thing you can do is just be quiet and not say anything. So I try to err on the side of saying stuff and reaching out and taking action. And the way that I've been taking action that helps me feel better is, um, you know, I give money to the ACLU and give support to them in ways that I can, especially their legal defense fund. And that is what feels good to me. And I feel like I'm making a contribution. And then I, you know, during this period, personally, I've been meditating. (laughs) I've been doing the self-care stuff that Latham Thomas has been teaching me for many years. I've been just tuning in to my activist friends and educator friends like Frenchie Davis and Michelle Hope. And I've, uh, 
just to be inspired by their activism and to support them. And then I've been reading the words of people who are pushing back. Um, I've been reading, a, you know, I've been reading The Secret Lives of Church Ladies over and over by our friend. Mm-hmm. I love that. Saidia Hartman. Um, Saidia Hartman's book is now out in paperback. Um, and I've been reading Saidia Hartman. We can put that in the show notes. Great. What are you doing, Whitney? Oh, and I've been taking a lot of baths. <laughs> and you know what? Being on Zoom with friends, because I am very COVID aware and I can't get that hit of being in person with friends, but I can get it on Zoom. So I've been making sure to do that. And oh, I forgot to tell you, Al Anon. Wow, Al Anon. Al Anon. Yeah, Al-Anon is if you have um, a family member who is affected by alcoholism, right? So it's kind of like AA, but for the people who... I I go to AA meetings virtually, but I've also now added Al-Anon to my roster. So I've been doing that. I think Um, that's great. And and particularly during this time, I didn't even think about that. You're really uncomfortable. You're stuck at home. Yeah, you want to pick up. You want to pick up. (laughs) Like, I mean, I, I mean, you, you can drink wine. You can, you can have some, have a shot of tequila. A lot of us who are sober can't. Right. So yeah, just looking for other forms of sanity so I can be a support to people who need me. Tell me what you're doing. Mm. Amen, sister. I love you so much. I I wish I could just squeeze you through the microphone. Oh, that would feel so good. Oh, God, right? Mm, I love a good hug. Can't wait until we can do that again. Jesus, me too. Um, what have I been doing? I just got back yeah, from Cabo. So. You you love to travel when you I can. I love to travel. It does a I lot do. for you. It really does. Um, you have to get a COVID test. There's you have to, They're pretty COVID aware. They don't let anyone without a COVID test in where I was. Um, but really just be, here being home, uh, I'm always out on the trail. I needed, I'm doing yoga. I just have to get movement. For me, moving is the number one thing that I have to do. If I don't have that, you don't want to hang out with me. Like just don't. That's a great point. Yeah. My whole mental environment is super busy and just noisy if I don't get moving. So movement, exercise, pushing yourself physically, that that's helping you, right? Yes, that's 100% helping me. And I think it's just, I'm just taking it minute by by minute. I'm really, like, I tend to get ahead of myself and I'll start to think (laughs) about all of the things in the future. And like, what if this happens? What if this happens? Oh, but what if if this happens? You know, and I'll just paint all of the different, as most of us do, right? We're like master storytellers of our lives, (laughs) particularly myself. And so I'm trying to slow down a little bit with that. And yeah. not get so ahead of myself, particularly when it comes to the election and watching everything that's going on, because I don't know mm-hmm. what the hell is going to happen. I have no, I don't know. So you just kind of have to force yourself to take a beat, take a minute, take a deep breath. If you need to turn the news off, turn the damn news off. You know, what a good point that uh, for a lot of us, a media fast is not a bad idea. And, you God, know, yeah. I've spoken to shrinks who say they tell their patients do 10 minutes of media in the morning and 10 minutes in the afternoon. And if you want to do 10 more minutes at night, don't do it anywhere near bedtime. I don't know Mm. if it's possible, you know, as we're waiting for election results to come in and waiting for absentee ballots to be counted. I don't know if it's possible for us to media fast, but maybe we need to just have the idea uh, in the back of our mind to not be constantly refreshing, you know, the page of whatever our news sources (laughs) and... To, right. try, to try to rein it in a little bit if it's impacting 
um, our mental health and our ability to sleep and all that stuff. And I love just exercise, right? And activism, just there are things that we can do and we can organize, we can insist that every ballot be counted. We can push back when the president tries to um, announce very uh, preliminarily with no basis, in fact, you know, that we should stop counting votes. We should not stop counting votes. We should remember that every vote counts and that it's going to be hard to wait, but we have to count all these votes. I mean, today the news, Whitney, was that 25, something like 25% of ballots in certain places in Georgia and Florida had not left the post office. We have a problem with our postmaster general um, being a huge Trump supporter and colluder. And, you know, he has been admonished in the, in many courts, stop trying to slow down the process of the votes being counted. But the GOP really has to think about how they have almost officially and almost without even hiding it, they've become the party of voter suppression in many ways, right? They're, they're, they're pushing these court cases that, that ballots in Texas should be thrown out. Um, they're, they're trying to push out this line that absentee ballots and mail-in ballots, which we have been using for decades, um, especially for people in military service, we've forever, we've had absentee and mail-in ballots. And now the GOP is trying to say that those are illegitimate, so, wow, they're really um, out there with their agenda to suppress the vote. And I think it's something for us to all think about. Mm-hmm. Mm. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I just segued from self-care to outrage. There you go. Hey, that's a part of the process, you know. That's okay, Wednesday. Um, well, I know that we have to go. But I wanted to say, Whitney, that I'm so glad that you... I mean, I would have just, I might have just stayed in bed today. No, I wouldn't have stayed in bed, but I might have just said, like, I exercised and I'm uh, going on FaceTime with my friends and I can't do anything else today. But I'm really glad that you wanted to sit down and talk. And I just want to assure all of our uh, listeners, especially our listeners who are people of color, um, like, we're here for you and we, are taking action. I agree. And if you need a little bit of help, just go have an orgasm. Hey, that's never <laughs> if your bad. Day just gets too heavy. Yeah. If your day gets too heavy, uh, give yourself an orgasm. Wow. There was never better advice. We did not talk about one other thing that's really important to talk about. What? Betty Dodson died oh, on Halloween. God. Uh, so, no, I'm just going to start crying. I held it all together throughout this entire podcast. <laughs> I mean, I think our listeners need to know who Betty Dodson was if they don't, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a quick summary of her? Sure. Greatness? And, and I know you want to say some words about her too, but she was um, an American sex educator she was an artist by training and she produced all this erotic art earlier in her career in New York in the late fifties and early sixties when, you know, you just didn't do that. And then she just kind of trailblazed 
uh, sex positivity within feminism. She sort of brought sex positivity and feminism um, together. And she was one of the people who said that sex positivity was part of self-care. And, you know, in that way, she really interestingly like brought together the strands between like the Black Panther Party and um, and and the feminism of Gloria Steinem and Florence Kennedy and sex positivity. So that's how I like to think of her. And she, yeah. she you know, I mean. She's Whitney, just a boss. She is she a, was a boss. boss. And she, I highly recommend all of you guys going to check her out and reading more. Check about out Betty Dodson. You know, she, when she was 75, she had a 25-year-old boyfriend. Um, God, I love her. Last I heard in her 80s, she had a 45-year-old boyfriend. She died at 91. She had a brilliant show with Carlin Ross. I hope we can get Carlin Ross on the show because like Betty, she's just a complete gangster of intersectional sex positivity. Mm -hmm. But what a loss, Betty Dodson. We'll miss you so much, Betty. We love you so much. You guys, everybody, check out who Betty Dodson is was yeah and how she lives on yeah well i'm sending you so much love you know i i don't i don't know what else to do at this point i can't wait till we're together um but i know that we'll stay in touch through through we're all gonna, of this we're gonna stay we in touch to, yeah it feels good to be able to talk to you about all of this so yeah and to talk to to be uh here in conversation with our listeners we love you guys love you whitney Every single vote counts. Don't let anyone not count your vote. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Love you, Whitney. <laughs> Love you. Talk to you soon. Okay. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, it would help us a lot if you would leave a review. Yeah, leave a review, subscribe. We want to know how you guys felt about the episode. It really helps us out a lot to continue the success of the podcast and keep spreading our message.